I want to thank uh, Liz uh, for filling in for Miriam, who took today off. So thank you, Liz, and the amazing band. Liz does a great job. Liz is like the Tracy Chapman of praise. You remember Tracy Chapman? You got a fast car? You got to be a certain age to know Tracy Chapman. All right, all right. So uh, how many of you are ready to hear the best sermon you've heard all year? Oh, that's my standard joke, you know, that's my standard joke, yeah. Well, welcome to Grace and welcome to a new year of possibilities, yes, yes. How many of you would say, though, I think it's a little bit cynical, but how many of you would say that your New Year's resolution is to make sure you don't have any resolutions this year, huh? How many of you say, yes, you're quite proud of that, I can see that, yes, yes, so. When it comes to New Year's, really, you run into two different groups of people, and it becomes quite apparent at this time of the year that there are two different groups of people that are running around in, in life. You have dreamers and you have the realists, all right? And you know who you are, don't you? You know who you are. Dreamers in the room, go ahead, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Dreamers, come on. There's a few, there's a few, yes. Uh, and now realists, let me see your hands, realists, yes. Yes, yes. If you're at home, just type in. If you're watching at home, just type in dreamer or realist, depending on what you are. And you know what happens, don't you, in life? You know what happens between dreamers and realists? I'll tell you what happens. This is very true in my own life. You get married. That's what happens. You meet a dreamer and realist, and they get married. Are, are you with me? Yes? It's absolutely true. So, and this is how dreamers, I'm a dreamer, and this is how dreamers talk. This is the, what we say around this time. This, this is a new year. This is going to be a phenomenal year. We're going to go here. We're going to do that. We're going to accomplish this. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be epic. Yes, yes, and dreamers love the word wow, 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 epic, epic, yeah, 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 yeah. And realists, realists, you know what they do? This is what they do. They go, you said that last year. You said that last year. What happened, huh? What happened to your resolutions, right? It's the same thing like, this, yesterday I went to the gym completely packed. It is so, I, I usually you always get on the gym, you always get on the elliptical, it's completely packed yesterday. I haven't seen any of these people. I'm not expecting to see them in February. <laughs> right, right? So dreamers and realists, we look at the new year differently. Now, here's an interesting question. Do you think Jesus was more dreamer or more realist? What do you think? Both. <laughs> Both. I think Jesus was a dreamer. He dreamed of a time when God's kingdom would come and God's will be done and there would be peace on earth and there'd be no more war and no more hunger. Hello? Yeah, it's a good thing to dream. That's a good thing. Now, um, I want to talk to the realist in the room. Realist, let me see your hands again. Realist, okay. I want to talk to you real quick and tell you why this is important for you. We, we dreamers in the room, we appreciate your pushback. We do. We really do. We appreciate your questions. But be really careful. I just want to say this. Be really careful you don't transition from a realist to a pessimist, okay? Because it's not far. Are you with me? Right? Uh, you don't want to do that. And here's why. You will not get invited to many parties anymore. <laughs> we don't want you around. We're tired of it, really. We just want to be around other dreamers, okay? Seriously. It's okay to ask questions because that's what realists do. Realists go, well, how are we going to get to the dream? What steps do you need to take to the dream? Those are good questions, right? But make sure that you don't get pessimistic. 
And dreamers, let me speak to the dreamers here. Dreamers, be really careful. It's okay to dream, but make sure you don't leave your dream just an illusion, okay? You've got to take some steps to achieve the dream. You can't just dream, right? You can't just say, hey, God, you know, make it all happen, okay? You've got to actually do some things. Are you with me? Yes? Say amen. So now here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about a concept called the power of possibility. Everybody say possibility. Possibility, possibility, the power of possibility. Here's what I want to say. Possibility fuels, okay, the potential, doesn't guarantee it, but the potential for a better future. Possibility fuels the potential for a better year, a better you, a better you. Absolutely, it fuels it. Now, think of this way. Most breakthroughs, whether in corporate culture, uh, whether it's running the the four-minute mile, whether it's your own life, it all led back to one person or a group of people, usually a small group of people, who said, you know what, it's possible. It's possible. And when a small little group of people said, you know, I think it's possible, it actually fueled the potential to do what they were called to do. But the opposite is true as well, right? If you don't believe it's possible, you're probably correct. Okay? So whatever you might think for the year ahead, if you think it's going to be great and wow and epic, it can be that. But if you also think, oh, no, it's not going to happen, you're probably correct because it all comes down to what you choose. Hello? All right. So whether you're a dreamer or whether you're a realist, I want to challenge you today to view this next year and view your life through the lens of possibility, the glasses, if you will, of possibility. Now, I want to give you a couple examples because some of you are already looking at me sort of strange. Uh, okay, I got a book from my brother, and it's, it's, it's a great book. And the reason he gave it to me is because this is one of my favorite comedians. Um, he, his name is Robert Schimmel. And Robert Schimmel was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he wrote a book about it. It's called Cancer on $5 a Day. Because that's how much he had every day, $5 a day. And it is a great book about how to deal with the adversity of cancer. And in this book, he talks about, it's really a lot of hilarious things that he goes through and the way he looks at this horrible diagnosis of cancer. But he also talks about a doctor who changed his life. And when he was first diagnosed with cancer, he had a doctor. And a doctor gave him a little speech. And the doctor said, look, there's two types of people that get cancer, just like dreamers and realists. He said, there's two types. There's the transmitters and the transformers. I thought this was fascinating in the book. He said, transmitters, they accept their cancer diagnosis, they let it define them, and they become negative, and they become bitter. And then they spread that negativity around them to everyone. He said, then there's transformers. Transformers accept their cancer diagnosis, look for positives in their situation, and look for ways to transform themselves beyond their cancer. And then they spread those good feelings around them. And each person has a choice as to how they face that disease. And how you face the disease absolutely determines whether you overcome it. So when you look at this next year, I just want to kind of take that concept and just ask you, do you look at the new year, do you look at the possibilities in your life as a transmitter or as a transformer? Which one? It's getting quiet in here now, isn't it? Yes. So one of the things I do, I, I think it's good to do this. I prayer journal. I'm always talking about prayer journaling. And it's really cool because my, my son Jacob got me a new journal this year. It's a Japanese journal. It's real small. It's really, really cool. And it's basically a prayer journal. And I was writing down some of the challenges for 2022. And we have some things we want to do as a church. One, 
we want to continue to rebuild our church and, and overcome uh, a four-letter word, COVID, right? Okay? Hello? Right? Uh, we're going we're gonna to rebuild this stage. We're very excited about that. We've got that slated because, I don't know if you noticed, but the stage is being held together by various pieces of duct tape, which makes me nervous standing on it at times. Okay, so it's going to be good. So we're going to do some things as a church. We're going to do some exciting events. We're trying to do some events every month to encourage fellowship and community. Uh, other things I wrote down, pay for my kids' college, which uh, is, you know, now I got Zachary and Jacob decided to extend his career in school and go to medical school. So he extended my ministry career uh, by default. Anyhow. Uh, and then we have the Kids Place at Grace. And, you know, a Kids Place at Grace is good. You know, it's, we're, we're close to our max potential. So I've been thinking, you know, maybe we should expand into elementary. Maybe we should go into first grade. So we're, we're looking at the possibility of doing like a first grade, maybe a second grade, maybe a third grade. Why not? There's other, there's other churches that have schools. Why can't we have a school, right? This is where you go, yeah, yeah, come on, yeah. Thank you, dreamers. The rest of the realists are like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's see. Uh. Actually, so, so some other things I wrote down, be a better pastor, uh, be more loving, uh, preach shorter sermons. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, clap, yeah, 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 clap. That was all the realists in the room, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, here's one I put down, this is a challenging one, forgive everyone of everything. Love more. Um, Survive the next variant of COVID, whatever it is, the return of the Omegatron transformer, whatever they come up with, I don't know. Who names these things anyway? That's what, it's like hurricanes. Who names those things? And I started looking at the list, and I wrote down a long list, and then I got to the end of the list, and I started feeling overwhelmed, and I thought, this is not going well. Have you ever done that? You wrote down the list, and, said, and, uh, and you start dreaming of a new day. And I started uh, praying, and I said, you know, this was my basic prayer. I started doing a whiny prayer. Have you ever done a whiny prayer? I've done whiny prayers. Oh, come, come on, let's be truthful. How many of you have ever whined in a prayer? Come on, yeah. And I was like, Lord, I wish life was easier. I wish life was easier. And as clear as I'm saying these words to you now, I heard God speak to my heart and my mind, and God said something like this. Don't wish your life was easier. You should wish you were better and stronger. Rely on me. Lean on me. Lean, not on your own understanding. I'll give you strength and wisdom. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to get better because you know what? Life is not going to get any easier. Amen? So we've got to get stronger. So I prayed this prayer, and this is how it went. And I actually wrote this down. I'm going to share it with you because I think it's actually worth sharing. I put, Lord, sometimes you allow things to break in my life so that you can rebuild. You allow wounds in my life, Lord, so that you can heal. You allow me to walk in confusion and darkness so I can see your light. You allow me to be perplexed and confused and not have the answers so I turn to you for the truth. You allow me to be empty, God, so that you can fill me up. You allow me to be lonely at times so I can see what a friend you are. You allow me to learn hard things so I can be a teacher. You allow me to be void of feelings at times so that I can have faith. You take away my future plans, Lord, and teach me to live one day at a time. You allow me to suffer sometimes and have pain so that I might be sympathetic to those who also suffer. You allow life to be hard so I can get better. And thank you, God. And that's quite a prayer. If you're willing to pray that prayer, you can actually help 
and work with God, and God will help you move from being a transmitter to a transformer. You move from being a person who's weak to a person with tremendous inner strength and a person who is making excuses to a person who makes a difference. Amen? And I believe that. All right. So everyone say, power of possibility. Oh, you didn't believe me. You're like, yeah, power of possibility. So one of the things, I'll just tell you, this is a kind of a funny story, uh, and just to kind of personalize the message, right? Because I know you're thinking, eh, yeah, what is this? So one of the things we're doing, and we apologize for the delay, we've been doing this for the last four months now, is we're completely redesigning our website. So right now, if you go on gracechurchcorpus.com, it's a temporary website, and most of you don't go on it. We know that you don't go on it if you're already here. You know who goes on our website? People that are thinking about coming here. That's who goes on our website. So we're redesigning our website, not for you, but for people that might come here one day. And one of the things we're doing is we're putting a thing called B-roll on it. And B-roll is just video and pictures and a bunch of things that happen in the life of the church that happen over a year. And it's just going to play when people go on the first page. So are you with me? Yes? So I was meeting with our staff, and we were looking at the B-roll. We were looking at a preview of what it's going to look like. And I said, you know what we need for this B-roll? You know what we need? We need, we need like, we need a script and someone to do like a voiceover while they watch it. Someone to narrate it, right? How many of you think that'd be pretty cool? Go ahead and say yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you, three of you. Anyhow, so... So my staff, we're in this little meeting, we're in, we're in my office, you know, and they love these staff meetings. They love them. They live for them. <laughs> staff meeting time. So I'm like, hey, we need to have someone narrated. Who can we get narrated? And they're throwing out names. And I said, no, 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 no. I know who we could get narrated. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. And they did exactly what you did. They laughed. And I was like, no, come on, Shawshank Redemption, the Dark Knight Trilogy, the Lake How many of you know who Morgan Freeman is, amen? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's the most sought-after voice in, in the media today. I mean, he's played God in two movies already. He's perfect. So I said, let's go after Morgan Freeman. And so then my staff goes, well, who knows Morgan Freeman here? And I'm like, well, look, according to Kevin Bacon, we're only six degrees away from separation. So, I know Kevin Bacon's name, so do you. He knows Morgan Freeman, and so, believe it or not, I lived in Escondido, California, and I had a church there, and I had the delight of meeting a family called the Reynolds family. You've heard me talk about the Reynolds family before, as I buried their, their old man. And one of the sons is an independent film producer in Hollywood, okay? I know him. I did a wedding with him. I, I did his wedding for he and his bride, and it was pretty cool. He's worked with Cher. He's worked with Snoop Doggy Dog. He's worked with all kinds of people. Uh, I think it'd be cool to have Snoop Doggy Dog narrated as well, but uh, anyhow, anyhow, I was like, I don't know Kevin Bacon. I don't know Morgan Freeman, but I know this guy, and he's an independent film producer. So I call him up. Hey, John, how you doing? I said, look, look man, we're doing this you know, thing on our website. I'd like to see if Morgan Freeman will do the voiceover. And he did what you did. He starts laughing. And I said, come on, man. It's possible. It's possible. And he goes, okay, look, I don't know Morgan Freeman. I don't know Kevin Bacon, John, but I'll make some calls. We'll see what can happen. Okay. So he starts making some calls. Now, while he's making some calls, he says, he'll get back to me in a couple of weeks. Guess what's happening with the staff? 
Now, we had already written a cheesy little script that we thought would be good for this. But then, when it became possible that Morgan Freeman might be doing the script, you know what we're thinking? We're like, oh, my gosh, we got to make this wetter because you, you just can't throw out a cheap script to Morgan Freeman. He's got to have something deep and good to read. Are you with me? So all of a sudden, we're scrambling. We're working really hard. we got to rewrite the script. We're like three days on the script. we got to do the script. Because of the possibility and because life is hard, guess what's happening? We're getting better at writing the script. Are you with me? Because of the possibility, it's driving us to get better. Anyhow, how many of you think we got Morgan Freeman to do it? How many of you, how many of you think? All right, there's like four dreamers in the room. We got an absolute no on Morgan Freeman. Absolutely no. Apparently, he got a hold of one of Morgan Freeman's relatives, and they're like, he gets this request all the time. No, 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 no. But here's what my film producer friend said. Listen, we couldn't get Morgan Freeman, but we got the next best thing. I said, what's that? He said, you may not believe this, but there's this guy that when he, when he gets a balloon that's full of helium and he, he sucks in air, his voice sounds just like Morgan Freeman. And I said, no way, that's not possible. He said, hey, it's possible. And he said, check your email. I said, what do you mean? He said, check your email. So he sent me a 56-second video that I want to show you. This guy's name's Boet. And let's show you this video of what happens here. Come on. My name is Boot Chowik. And for some reason, when I inhale cold air, my voice comes out exactly as Morgan Freeman's, which I'm going to demonstrate now with the monologue of Shawshank Redemption. Rehabilitated? Well, now, let me see. You know, I don't really have any idea what that means. To me, it's just a made-up word. A politician's word. So that young fellas like yourself can wear a shirt and tie and have a job. So you go on, Sonny, and stamp your forms and stop wasting my time. Because to tell you the truth, I don't give a Thank you. All right, so yeah. So that's amazing, right? So we called Boat. We were like, hey, can you do the? We got an absolute no from him as well. <laughs> absolute no. <laughs> but we're actually trying some with some balloons to see if our voices will sound like. So far, it's not worked so far. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible, right? But the whole time, like, we're like, so he said, let me call Boat. So the whole time, we're working on the script. We're making the script better and better and better. Now we have an excellent script. And because the possibility of what could happen made the idea better. And so the possibilities in your life actually drive you to get better. I could get fit. I could, I could look like Magic Mike one day. Yeah. <laughs> Don't laugh. You're not supposed to laugh. Renee's all excited because they're coming out with a third movie, aren't they, Renee? Where's Renee? Where's my wife? You're excited, aren't you? Oh, yeah, she's ready to watch that. Yeah, anyhow. Possibility fuels the potential to make ideas, even good ideas, even better. Possibility, teaming up with God doesn't make life any easier, right? The challenges are still there, but it makes us better. Are you with me? Do you get the idea? Yes. Yes. Now, let me give that. That's, that's kind of a silly example, but it's a true story. It's funny. Let me give you another example of two guys who understood about potential. And I want to show you, these two gentlemen have impacted your life, both directly and indirectly, and these two gentlemen have impacted it for the better. Uh, they are Wilbur and Orville Wright. Uh, how many of you have ever flown on a plane? 
You can thank these two gentlemen right here. And let me tell you, and it may be a little, when you start reading their story, it becomes a little unsettling to fly, okay? I'm just telling you that right now. These guys had no business trying to figure out how to fly. They had zero technical training. Uh, You know what they were? They were bicycle shop owners, okay? And their hobbies were watching birds and drawing pictures of birds. And then one day, as they're drawing, one of the brothers is drawing a picture of a bird, he turned to his other brother and he said, I think it's possible, this is what he said, I think it's possible that we can harness the principles and dynamics that birds are harnessing and create something that can cause mankind to fly. Now, here's what's interesting. These two were dreamers for sure. Their father was actually a bishop in the Methodist church, Bishop Wright, and he told them, quit trying to fly if man wanted If God wanted man to fly, he would have given us wings. That's what their dad told them. That's what their dad told them. And they said, we're not going to listen to that realist. And if you've ever flown in a plane, you can thank these two gentlemen for the power of possibility. One of the best books I read last year was a book by David McCullough called The Wright Brothers. Get this book. Read this book. It is worth it. It is a great book. And the author, David McCullough, says these words. The fact is... These guys had no business figuring it out. He said, in no way did any of this discourage or deter Wilbur and Orville Wright. Any more than the fact that they had no college education, no formal technical training, no experience working with anyone other than themselves, no friends in high places, no financial backers, no government subsidies, and little money of their own, or the entire real possibility that at some point they could be killed. And they went for it. One of the things the book points out, and I didn't know this until I read the book, the United States, now this is 18th century, right? This is a long time ago. The United States paid Samuel Longley, okay, or Langley, they paid him $71,000 to try to create flight. That's worth, in today's money, that'd be millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And he completely failed. The Wright brothers, of course, were successful, and they figured it out for less than $1,000 of their own money. It was the power of possibility. They thought that they could fly. And that power of that thought gave them potential, and they kept working on it, and they kept working on it. It's the power of possibility, whether you're a dreamer or realist. If you don't believe it's possible, you're correct. But the possibility can fuel the potential for a better future. Are you with me? Yeah, this is really, really important for where you think. So how do we apply this? Let me talk just to the business people in the room. I... I, I have, um, you know, worked with business people. I understand a little bit about the business world. If you've got a team and you're in the business world, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, Get your team together and talk to them about seeing the new year through the lens of possibility. Because this is what I do with my staff. And, And here's what I would encourage you to say. Hey, this year in business, we want to own a space in the land of possibility. And we want to lease a space in the land of reality. In other words, in our business this year, we want to live in the land of possibility, and we want to visit the land of reality. But we usually flip that, don't we, right? right? I'm not saying that you should deny reality. I'm not saying you should deny ec- economics. You should deny inflation. Those are real things. But you need to define reality and not let reality define you. Because businesses that do this, they break through. They live and own a space in the land of possibility, and they visit or land in the space of reality. They just visit there. 
Are you with me? Do you understand this? Somebody say amen. All right. And then think about your own life as you look back um, in your own life. Do you say, hey, I want us to land in the space of possibility or do I just want to keep living in the land of reality? So I'm kind of pushing back a little bit on the realist in this room. And so this is a good question for you to think about. What do you think is possible for you in this new year? What's possible for you? What is possible for you? This is a good question for you to talk about with your spouses, with your partners, with significant people in your life, with your kids. What do you think is possible for you in the new year? What is that? Because And if they think it's possible, the potential can drive that. Do you think it's possible to make your financial situation? How many of you would like to have a better financial situation in 2022? There's a lot of hands up. Yeah. Is it possible for you? You've got to take some steps. Um, how many of you like to have a better relationship with your significant other? Okay. Is it possible for you to do that? You're correct. It's possible. But it's also, if you don't think it's possible, you're also correct. Uh, so I see some people elbowing each other right now about the ministry of, of elbows there. So do you think it's possible in your spiritual life to get closer to God? Absolutely. If you don't think it's possible, you're also correct. So it's a good way to look at life. And I'll, I'll give you a personal example of this. Um, I got a call this week from a wonderful lady. Her name is Esther Smith. Now, you don't know Esther Smith. She's not online because she can't figure it out because she's 97. And Esther, she calls me up. And this is a woman I knew from my church in New Braunfels. I love Esther Smith. And I still have people that listen to our podcast and watch us in New Braunfels. So they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Now, Esther is 97. And she made faith food for me. She made every Christmas, she would give me this big bundle of the most delicious peanut brittle that man has ever tasted. It was faith food. When I ate it, I believed in God. Are you with me? <laughs> I believed in God. It was easy to believe in God when I ate the, her peanut brittle. She would wait till the temperature outside was right. The humidity had to just be right. She explained to me the process. I said, Esther, I don't care. I just want to eat it. I don't really care. Just make it good. Anyhow, she was wonderful. So she calls me up, and she's crying. She's upset. When a 97-year-old woman calls you on your cell phone crying upset, you listen. I said, Esther, what's wrong? What is wrong? Why are you crying? She says, Pastor, I've got a couple fears I need to share with you. I go, I'm here for you, Esther. What are you? She goes, I'm 97, and I'm in perfectly good health. I said, what's the problem? What are you afraid of? She said, I'm afraid I'm going to make it to 100. I'm going to make it to 100, and I'm never going to die. And believe it or not, the remarkable thing is, we start talking about Betty White. Now, Betty White just passed. Betty White is amazing, is she not? Yes. Betty White has some great quotes. My favorite quote from Betty White. Favorite quote. I have to mention this. So funny. Betty White says, look, for proper beauty sleep, make sure you get eight hours a night. Nine if you're ugly. Anyhow, <laughs> I... She could get away with saying that. So, so anyway, so I said, Esther, what, what's the second problem? She goes, I'm stuck in this nursing home. They won't let me out. Uh, and, and I want to send Christmas cards. I got 100 people I want to send Christmas cards to. I can't send any Christmas cards. Uh, and I said, Esther, here's the truth. You're probably going to make it to 100. So I hope you have enough money. And the present is what matters, Esther. What is coming is better than what is gone. 
when you're busy concentrating on what has been or what will be, you rob yourself of the moment. So just focus on this moment. You're here. And here's what I told her. I said, you may not be able to send Christmas cards, but you got a cell phone. You called me. And, and it, your name shows up. And I said, you got, a, you got a cell phone. So here's what you do. You call 100 people and you say, this is your Christmas call instead of your Christmas card. You call them all on the list. And you try that and tell me if it works. She called me back two days later. She goes, I'm on call 39. <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever done, Pastor. I've reconnected with people. I'm having long conversations. I bet people are cussing me right now, right? Now. <laughs> but she is having these great conversations, and she's doing Christmas cards by phone. And it's the power of possibility. And she's got the best 97 years, and she's catching up with people. And we talked about forgiveness. You know, when you live to be 97, you make some mistakes, okay? And we talked about forgiveness, and she shared with me her favorite passage. So in honor of her, I'm going to share her favorite passage. She says, Pastor, I love Ephesians 4.32, which is be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And then we went through a list of things we talked about. We talked about this, how everything changes. Everything changes in life. Life rarely goes as planned. Right? We talked about this on Christmas Eve. None of us are living exactly the way we thought everything would go, are we? No. Everything changes. So you just ought to expect that everything is going to change. And the way Scripture talks about this, whether good or bad, it says, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And, and the other thing we, I talked about with Esther is we all get derailed. Everyone in life gets derailed. We, now, I know we come here to church, we put on a good front, but if you ask people about their lives and you really listen to what people have been through, you'll realize that everyone in this room has struggles. Everyone in this room has things that bring them down. Everyone in this room is on some detours that they never thought they'd be on. And if you can accept that and you, you, know, you know what, this is part of life, and then quit complaining about it, then you're going to be better off. And one of the, one of the things I always tell my kids, and I talk about this with Esther, is don't make excuses. Excuses are only good for saving your pride, right? That's the only thing excuses are. Don't make excuses. Find a way to get better. Advance yourself with God's help. It's far better just to own it, to own your failures, to say, yeah, I messed up, I, I made a mistake, and, and really... Um, I learned this really from a guy that I play racquetball with. I play racquetball at, at the athletic club. Um, not a lot of people play there. The people that do are very, very good. So there's some A players. I'm really about a C player, but there's some really good players. There's this one guy named Vic Russo, and Vic is Italian. And if you met Vic, you would love Vic. Vic is great. And now Vic is a wonderful racquetball player, and I'm going to tell you why. He has one arm. He doesn't have a right arm. Now, when you meet Vic, he will not talk about the fact that he does not have a right arm. He will shake your hand with his left hand, and he will kick your butt with his left hand and racquetball. And here's why. Most right-hand racquetball players like me hit, we hit and serve offensively to a guy's left hand because that makes them hit with their backhand. And everyone knows your backhand's not as good as your forehand, and you can't score as many points with your backhand. So everything that I've learned to do is right to Vic's main strength because he's left-handed. So he loves playing me. He's like, yeah, just keep hitting it to my left hand. That's wonderful. Now, here's the thing about Vic. I've been friends with him for a long time. I never even talked about the fact that he doesn't have an arm. But finally, I just said, Vic, it's killing me. I, I, I got to know this. How have you dealt with life? How have you, in a world where a lot of people would make excuses, your success on every level, you're successful. How did you do it? And he said, my mom. 
I said, what about your mom? He said, when I was little, I had to put on clothes. And I had to put on my shirt and my pants, just like, you know, you teach a, a kid to do that. And he said, do you know how challenging it is to put on your clothes with one arm? I said, no, I have no idea what that's like. He said, well, try it. I said, I don't want to. <laughs> so anyway, and he said to me, he said, how did you learn how to tie your shoes? With two hands or one hand? How many of you learned with two hands or one? Go ahead and shout it out. Two. Two hands. He goes, you ever learn how to tie your shoes with one hand? I said, no, I don't want to either. And he goes, my mom didn't do anything for me. I would lay on the, lay on the floor and crawl and cry and cry. And, he, and my mom would just say things like this. This is a hard life. You better get used to it. Everyone has a handicap, Vic. Yours just shows. Everyone has a handicap. And I thought, wow. So no excuses. Life is hard. Don't make excuses. Use it as a force to drive you and make you better. Amen? Absolutely. The other thing is discomfort is okay. A lot of people think this is a strange idea that success comes without difficulty in our culture. That is not true. That is not true. Be okay being uncomfortable. Be okay trying new things and sucking at them. It's okay. Be uncomfortable. Jesus said it this way, in this world you'll have trouble. The forecast tomorrow, trouble. You follow me, more trouble. Okay? So God cares more about developing your character than the ultimate God in our culture, which is comfort. God doesn't really care about your comfort. God cares about your character. Just like Vic's mom cared about him being able to deal with life with one arm, God wants us to be able to deal with life with all of our handicaps. Amen? And here's the other thing. Safety is an illusion. People say safety first. No, no. Jesus first, safety second. Okay? Come on. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about safety. Safety is an illusion. The moment you accept that safety is an illusion, right, that we're all safe or I'm going to be safe or, you know, I mean, it's, like, it's like dealing with COVID. What, what, method, what method in the federal government or in a health system has worked with COVID? What, what has it been other than, than vaccinating us? What has it been? Did isolation work? No. Did separation work? No. None of it's worked. The, the virus is spread at the same rate no matter what. So, so safety is an illusion. It's an illusion. I really believe that. The other thing I'll say is surround yourself with the right kind of people. You can surround yourself with the wrong people, and you'll end up doing the wrong things, or you surround yourself with the right people, and you end up doing the right things. This is really, really true. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So, so be brave enough to let go of those that weigh you down and start accepting new friends. Okay, this is really true. And the other thing I'll say is uncertainty is the only certainty for the future. Death is certain. Taxes are certain. The government will not get rid of taxes, that's for sure. And uncertainty is certain. And so quit looking for certainties. So let me close with this question on this long, verbose, not-so-short sermon. Because Renee said to me, you're not really starting off the new year right with one of your resolutions. I said, yeah, I know. I want to leave you the question. What does God think of your future? What does God think is possible for you in the new year? Because this really is the most important question, right? Not what do you think of you, but what does God think is possible for you? And don't miss this. This is the creator of the universe. This is the one who thought of you before you were born. Read Ephesians 1.4. Before God said, let there be light, God said, let there be you. That's truth. The creator of the universe thinks something is possible for you. 
In fact, the Bible says things, crazy statements. The Bible is full of crazy statements. It says things like, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? There's a friend of mine on Facebook. A friend of mine on Facebook. You can go to my Facebook and look him up. His name's Steve Baker. I knew him as a child. He, he, he works for Disney now. He takes people to Disney. He, he runs a travel agency. He, he, go to his Facebook. It's an amazing. Steve Baker. He, he posted a picture of his wife eight years ago, diagnosed with terminal brain cancer eight years ago. Show the picture eight years ago. And he dreamed of healing. And he dreamed of a day when his wife would live and be there for the graduations and the weddings of their kids. And guess what? She's eight years and healthy now. Eight years and healthy now because with God, all things are possible. Come on. You got to believe it, friends. But she believed it from the end. She was a dreamer. So the same God who made you, the same God who, who, who put the sun into orbit, right, who made the sun 92 million miles away. And if you were here yesterday, you could have got a sunburn, right, at 93 degrees. And today it's like 45. Yeah, welcome to Texas. I'm going to tell you what God thinks is possible for you because some of you may not know. God thinks these things are possible for you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. God thinks those things are possible for you. Now, I don't know what you think. If you're online, you're watching us, you might think, oh, that's a sweet little list. That's a powerful list. No, actually, actually from Galatians 5.25, it is called the fruit of the Spirit. And God says, hey, when you invite Jesus into your heart and your life, then things change and you become a different tree. Like an apple tree produces what, church? It's not a trick question. <laughs> an orange tree produces... And Christians, this is our fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and good. This is what is expected of your life, okay? And really, when it comes to resolutions, you're really talking about getting your heart right because if you get your heart right, you get everything else right. For example, if your New Year's resolution is to get your finances right and get in better financial shape, then God wants to give you the gift of self-control, right? And patience in terms of spending and delayed gratification and saving and those sort of things. God believes that's possible. Or maybe it's self-control in terms of getting in physical shape and not eating 20 donuts every day. That might be it. Okay? But again, God says, Galatians 5.25, the fruit of the Spirit, the things that your life is supposed to be displaying are love and joy and peace patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the adjectives you want people to use when they're at your funeral. This is who you were. And the scripture says, you know what? Against, against these things, there's no law. And God thinks it's possible because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what Jesus believes about you and Jesus believes about me, that in a relationship with Jesus, he can produce these things in our life. We can actually bear them. We can actually have them happen as we abide with him, right? We got to hang out with Jesus, right? And it's why I'm not here. I am not here to perpetuate any sort of growing religion, really. I'm not. I'm not here to perpetuate uh, Presbyterianism or the Methodist Church or any sort of religion. I'm here to help you lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ will outlive all the denominations, trust me. 
But as you abide and stay connected with him, something powerful happens. And so my kids always say, yeah, Dad, well, life's hard with Jesus and life's hard without Jesus. And I agree with them. It's absolutely true. Life's hard with Jesus and life's hard without Jesus. Life doesn't get any easier with Jesus, but, but Jesus makes us better and stronger because Jesus gives me the power of possibility that I can be a person that has the fruit of the Spirit. Because trust me, when I was in high school and college, those nine adjectives were not adjectives people used to describe me. Trust me, they were not. Here's what I want you, you to know. The people in your life want these nine adjectives to be true of you. And they want these qualities to be present in you. And the people in my life want these qualities in me because, guess what? They are on the other side of us. You've never been on the other side of you. I have. I know you've been on the other side of me. I don't know what that's like, but I'm praying for you. <laughs> so I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, um, and he said, John, I've been doing something very powerful the last two or three years. I said, what's that? And he said, well, it has to do with the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And that's where I got this idea for this last part of the message. And he said, you know, over the last three years, what I've done is I picked one, one fruit of the Spirit, and I focused on it for the entire year. And so he said to me, so I picked love, and I wanted to love God, and I wanted to love people better, and I want to love people whether they love me back, and I just want to love people. And so that whole year, I'm just focused on the fruit of the Spirit being love, love, love. And I, I want to be a better loving husband, a better loving pastor. And I said, man, that's awesome. I see that's awesome. And then he asked me this question. He said, look at the nine, John. Look at the nine. Then he said, as you think of next year, which one? Which one do you want to focus on, John? And that's a great question. And it's a question I want you to see on the list. Which one do you think you ought to focus on? Again, here they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here's the challenge. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Because you've never been on the other side of you. But which quality do you really need to focus on this next year? So, number one, how do you determine this? If you're married or you have a partner, you need to ask them, which one? I asked Renee. She gave me eight. I said, honey, it's just one. So I think eight out of nine would be good, John. I said, just pick one. So just pick one. Ask your prayer partner. Um, it, ask God, which one do I need to focus on, God? Okay, and here's the deal. Because God believes this is possible for you. And if you take a step towards that, and if you abide in that, you're on a blessed pathway. Just one. Now, let me be a little bit vulnerable and transparent for you. As I've mentioned to you before, the last couple of months and the last year and a half, really, with COVID, have been, <clears throat> excuse me, very emotionally challenging. And the reason is, one, with COVID and all the havoc that it's wrecked, um, right? And the other thing that's happened in the last year and a half is I turned 50 and 51. Now, you're going to think this is silly, and I don't really care, but 50 and 51 did a real number on me, okay? Pun intended. Anyhow, I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> thank you. Now, I couldn't figure it out, right, because 30, when I hit 30, that didn't bother me because 30 times 2 is 60. I'll be here at 60. When I hit 40, that didn't really bother me because 40 times 2 is 80, and statistically, I might make it to 80. But you know what 50 times 2 is or 51? 
It's 100 or 102. And I'm sad, really, that I'm going to be here at 102, and most of you will be gone. I'm really, a, <laughs> I'm really sad that that's going to happen. No, really, and I've showed you this before, but this is a picture of what I look like at 102. I've showed you that this is a wonderful picture of what I look like at 102. And I asked, my, I asked God, I asked my wife, and I said, here's, here's, here's the list of nine. Which one do you think I ought to work on for the whole year? And so my pastor friend and Renee said, you know, there's an edge of sadness in you that we've never really seen before. Maybe even an edge of depression. There's a, maybe even an edge of burnouts concerning. And so we want to pray for you, and we think you need to focus on this piece, John. You need to focus on the, 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 the fruit of peace, and that's the one. We want there to be peace in your soul. Now, what do I do with that? Am I going to start wearing, like, tie-dye shirts and listening to Grateful Dead? Am I going to start smoking a peace pipe? No, that's not what it means. And so, really, and I, and I owe this... I owe the main heart of this message to my wife, Renee, because Renee is quiet but a powerful force. She's like a hummingbird, really. You ever seen a weak hummingbird? I have not have seen one, okay? And that's Renee. And she gave me a wonderful word picture of this. And, and you, you may think that's really weird, but when I turned 50 and when I've hit 51, I've began to feel this way. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way. If you haven't reached this age, you may not feel this way. But this is how I felt. My best days are behind me. I've got less Christmases in front of me than behind me. Are you with me? You're getting old. AARP sent me a membership card. It was not a good moment at the mailbox. And I felt like, oh my gosh. And so then you start like, what is God's plan for me? Because I mean, I don't have much time left, and it creates a sense of urgency. And so when I was talking to Renee about this, and she said, you need the fruit of, the, of peace. You need some peace about this. And then she says these words, and this is like right out of God. God can speak through your spouse, trust me. She said, John, God's greatest plan for you is Jesus. That's it, period. And God's greatest plan for you is Jesus. And when Jesus is your greatest plan, the best is still yet to come. Right? And that's the great news. That's the great news. So you've got to be dependent. You've got to be desperate for Jesus. You've got to cling to this. And I really want to leave you with this challenge. Out of those nine qualities, just pick one. Pick one for this year. And I want you to email me and tell me. If you're online, just type in what, you, what, what it is. I would love to know what the one is that God has laid on your heart. And some of you may need to think about it for a while. But just pick one. And let that be the focus. And let the power possibility what can happen? It could get better. You can write the script better. You could fly a plane. Let the power of possibility happen. Imagine becoming a person of peace. Imagine where you have the peace of God inside you so that no external circumstance can take it away. And no external circumstance can redeem it any more than that peace of God in you. Are you with me? That's peace. That's peace. But you're going to have to cling to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't make life easier, but he makes you better. And he makes you stronger. And that's the message. So let's pray. God of grace, we give thanks for this time to come together on this new year and this new day and consider all the possibilities you have for us. And Lord, we recognize that life is not easy, that life is challenging. It doesn't get any easier. In fact, I think it gets harder. 
but with you, you make us better and stronger, and you do it through sharing with us. As you share in this very moment, as you're in this very room, you remind us that on the night that you gave yourself up, you took bread and you broke it. And you said to the disciples, and you said, you know, look, I'm going to be broken for you. On the cross, I'm going to be broken in many ways. But because of my brokenness, you'll be made whole. And then Jesus took the cup and he poured out wine into that cup. And he said, take and drink. This is my body and blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins, for all your mistakes from last year and your many years, whether you're 97 or 37, you've made some mistakes. And Jesus says, I'm going to forgive you. And my blood will do that. And the price I pay will do that. So that you might live today in a new way and not be robbed of your tomorrows. And so, Father, we ask that you pour out your blessings on this, the bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might live in this world as the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the one we abide with as he teaches us and as he taught us to say now together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come and will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. So the first thing I want to say is that this is the communion table, but it's God's table, and everyone's welcome. It's a converting ordinance. Everyone's welcome. So you don't have to be Presbyterian or Catholic or anything. You, you just, just come and receive. It's a meal with God. It's a way of God saying, I love you. I want to be part of your life. Okay? That's the first thing. If you want to do it uh, where you don't take the cup and tension and dip it in, the, in the, the juice, you can come and get one of these uh, just all-in-one things that, that's up here on the table. That's fine. We're not trying to force anyone to do communion in any certain way, however you feel comfortable, okay? We just want you to come and receive. So I'll invite the elders to come forward, and they're going to hold the cups, and I'm going to distribute the bread, but you can also go to the table yourself and get whatever you need. If you're at home, I would encourage you to get a Ritz cracker or something and, and partake. All right. So come, you're invited. Come and receive. And as you do, think about the one quality you need in your life.